Hi everyone, it's Charlie Webster here. Welcome along to My Sporting Mind. The podcast is all about opening up the conversation about mental health in sport and life with the help of leading athletes. Season two is proudly supported by sportinglife.com, ahead of the rest when it comes to unbiased opinion and sports analysis. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Celtic midfielder and Scotland international footballer Ryan Christie to the podcast. Welcome along, Ryan. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, thanks so much. We were actually meant to speak, weren't we? Um, a few months back, I think, around six months, six weeks back, and uh, yeah. you had the bad luck of self-isolation. Um, and I know it's not funny at all, but you've kind of had that, you've had it twice now. How have you been dealing with that time and how do you find that self, self-isolation? self You know, it was, it was tough, obviously. I think after the kind of major lockdown over the whole country, when, when football stopped and stuff like that, it was, you know, a bit different because everyone was kind of in it together. And even all your teammates were doing the same thing. Whereas obviously when you're out with the kind of self-isolation stuff, it's a bit different having to, to kind of watch on every Saturday and you're watching your team and just desperate to be out there trying to help them and, and, and you're sat in the house not allowed to leave. So it was definitely frustrating. They were, they were definitely tougher compared to the big one. But in other ways, it kind of gave you that love for football again because you were just desperate to, to get back and about it. Yeah, do you think that's important sometimes? Because I think, you know, for you, you're in it every day, nonstop. And because that's probably the only time, right, you've ever in your career taken a pause. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I think that and probably the only other time is injury. Obviously, injuries, again, can be very frustrating. But I think the one thing with injuries, you, you find that love for football again and you're just desperate to to, to, to be back and doing what you love as, as soon as possible. Because, you know, like you said, it's, it's pretty nonstop. It's 24-7, especially going through the, the seasons and the amount of games we play these days. Mm. So you don't really get time sometimes to, to step back and appreciate it. So it's good. What do you do for downtime? Not 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 too much, not too much at all. I like a bit of uh, bit of PlayStation. Always always playing with some of the boys on that. And apart from that, not much really. Me and my girlfriend are trying to get into a bit of cooking recently. So sort of during the lockdown and and ever since we've been trying to improve our cooking skills. That you know what is so funny because I think that's the main thing that people have changed over this lockdown period. Yeah. They've improved cooking. Like I feel the same. I'm like, oh my god, I can actually cook. No. Yeah. <laughs> before I was like, no, not interested. Um, have you got any speciality dishes or anything? No, I'm. I'm gonna say I'm more the sous chef to 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 her. She's uh, she's right, okay. the main lead. But um, we've we've had a couple. We've had a couple good. I'm, I'm trying to get my head around how to, to cook perfect steak right now. That's that's the challenge in front of me. So yeah, it's been good. We've we've, we've definitely improved from before. Before the lockdown, it was it was a lot of deliveries. That's for sure into, into my household. <laughs> Right. What I wanted to talk to you about, I thought straight in there, let's talk a bit about the Euros. Um, we were just ch- chatting about them. Obviously, I'm England, you're Scotland. <laughs> um, it's been an incredible period and you helped them qualify. I think everyone remembers watching that brilliant win over Serbia and you scored the opener in normal time and had an outstanding game and eventually won on penalties. Now, we can all remember that video of you, that interview with you afterwards where you were so emotional. It, you could see how much it meant to you. And the fact that you said you, it gives a little something to the country right now, especially I think we were kind of in the heightened time of COVID. So now you're looking back, how do you feel about it? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's an amazing kind of memory for me to have and something that will probably stay with me forever. It's probably one of the best nights of my life so so far you know just the way it kind of happened obviously I was delighted to score the goal but even the it going to penalties and you know the way it finished and obviously I've been shown that video <laughs> a number <laughs> of times you know everybody the day after kept sending me it like oh have you seen this and 
don't think they realized I was the one in the in the interview like <laughs> um do you find that weird when people do that have you seen this um well yeah I'm <laughs> and it was in it and, and said it. And also it's interesting because the comments were all about how emotional you were and, you know, you wear your heart on the sleeve. And it's almost like, well, it, it, I think it would be weird if you weren't emotional afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, I mean, it was it was hard because obviously we've just gone through, we've won the penalties. Then I, I was a bit emotional kind of on the pitch and it was like I would hug somebody, get emotional, kind of separate myself calm myself down again compose myself and then the moment I went to hug somebody else I just start all over again and then I was told that I was doing the, the kind of drugs test after the game and obviously you get taken straight from the pitch straight into the, the drugs test and I didn't really want to miss out on any of the celebrations mm-hmm. so I just said well I'm going to stay on the on the pitch for a bit longer and they said well why you're out here you just go straight into press and do the interview so you know I didn't have much time to kind of compose myself I think that's why it was so um kind of so raw straight straight from you know the highs of of going through so you know it was good it was, it was brilliant I got so many nice messages afterwards people saying that they kind of they shed a tear with me so you know it's nice to hear that. I think we are, we so often talk about the lows right in sport and in football and it's amazing to see that the high and that celebration but what was it like kind of the days after and how do you deal with those emotions because I can imagine the adrenaline was just pumping. Yeah it was it was um it was incredible. I think obviously it was amazing to celebrate as a group. Obviously that night, the night of was, well, I would say memorable. Not, not that I can remember that much of it, but, um, you know, it was brilliant to to celebrate all the boys together, you know, because most of the boys in that team, I've kind of come through even the, the Scottish youths with in terms of under 19s and stuff. So we have known each other for a long time. And then, yeah, obviously, I mean, it was a bit tough. We had a game kind of three days later against Slovakia, I think it was, who had also just qualified for the Euros. So, um, I remember lining up with both teams looking like they'd been on a, on a three-day bender. It was a bit strange. <laughs> it must have been hard to like refocus and think, right, I've got, I've got to take this seriously and yeah. still perform. I know. Well, that was it because, I mean, we still, you know, we we're still desperate. We we're on a, I think it was like a nine-game unbeaten run or something. So we were desperate to to keep that going. Yeah, at the same time, you know, the, the, the kind of main aspect of that trip was was winning that game against Serbia. And as, as soon as we did that, you know, it was kind of a massive kind of relief off our shoulders. It's funny because um, we interviewed Sam Hutchinson in the first series, footballer. Um, and he said there are more downs in football than you could ever imagine. That's his quote. Does that time with you and does it make those moments even greater and reflect back on your career? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would agree with that. I mean, I've you know, I've heard the quote that, you know, the only thing that is a certain in football is, you know, is downfalls in it. You know, there's there's no real highs that are promised to you. So when they do come along, you know, you have to you have to enjoy them and, and really soak them in because you know, like he said, and I agree with it, is it is tough at times and you go through such bad spells. But, you know, I, I like to look at it in the mindset of, you know, you need both to complement each other, you know, because without those bad spells, you wouldn't you wouldn't enjoy the, the highs as much, I don't think. But how do you see that when you have those bad spells? It's, it's tough for me personally. I like to just kind of go back to, you know, back to kind of my, my basics, my kind of one-on-ones, which is just, you know, work hard and, and take it right down to the core of going back to, to like I said, working hard every day and, and making sure my attitude's right towards towards the sport that I'm committed to. So um, I think if you do that and, and surround yourself with, with good people as well, I think that's mm-hmm. important. Obviously, I've obviously got my family who are extremely close to and have been with me my whole career, you know, my, my girlfriend and then obviously other close friends and Obviously, the thing with footballers, a lot of their close friends are other footballers. So, you know, you can, they, they've been through the same things as you. They understand it. So they know what to, to say and how to help. You just mentioned your family there. 
and I've seen you at games with your dad and your dad's been there. Um, is there any word, I don't know, wise words of wisdom he's given you over your career and is he being a bit of a role model to you? Yeah, obviously it's, you know, it's been a, a huge kind of part of my career having him there and obviously he, him playing for Inverness and I obviously came through at the youth in Inverness. It was a massive thing and there was a huge kind of deal made out of it at the time. But he's been, you know, I think now that I'm older, I appreciate it now looking back. Obviously when I was younger and there were certain things he would say or, you know, in terms of, I mean, a lot of people speak about it, missing out on if it's parties and stuff like that at the weekend that my friends are having. And instead I've got a game the next day, so I'm, I'm going to my bed early. You know, at the time you don't really appreciate it until you really look back and notice, you know, how kind of important that was. And I always say, without a doubt, I wouldn't be where I where I am without him and, and what he's done. You know, and obviously it's a it's a huge benefit for me. Obviously he's been through football, he's, he's done the whole career and he knows what we've been speaking about, you know, the, the pitfalls and you know, the kind of traps in football and, and how down you can get in sometimes. So to have him so close to home, obviously, it's, um, you know, I'm very lucky. What do you think the difference is in the way you approach things then rather than going out and partying and sometimes not being as dedicated to making it where you are now? Yeah, it's it's huge because, and again, you know, you, you're, you're told at that young age from your coaches and stuff that, you know, and that's what it takes, but there's always this idea to think that, you know, God, you're missing out on life a little yeah. bit. Aye, and yeah. <laughs> just desperate to, to do it. But again, it's it's that kind of hindsight when you look back on it now, you're, you realise how kind of important it was and how many good players maybe you've played with that haven't made it because, you know, they've taken the, the opposite route, you know, and that's when you're grateful for all this advice you've been given. You spoke a little bit about your journey then. So you had your initial move to Celtic, to Celtic Park, and then you didn't really feature much in the first team yeah. and kind of almost struggled to connect. Was that um, was that from kind of like a behind the scenes point of view rather than a football point of view on the pitch? And what was that like for you? Because you've signed for a massive club that's got so much history and there must have been that frustration to kind of prove yourself. Yeah, it, it was tough, to be honest. It was probably the most kind of eye-opening experience I've had in my career in terms of, you know, Inverness is a very small city. It's a small club and um, obviously when I was up there, I just lived at home with my mum and dad and my mum still did my washing and cooking all the meals and that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden I was shipped down to, to big bad Glasgow and, you know, I had to kind of fend for myself. And obviously there's a lot of people, uh, you know, amazing staff and stuff at Celtic who helped. But at the same time, you know, I did get that feeling when, you know, you, when I first went in, it was, you know, it was pretty cutthroat and it was every man for yourself and you had to kind of step up and stand up for yourself almost, you know, and I do think I struggled with that a wee bit. You know, I was I was still young at the time, and um, how old were you then? When I moved down, I would have been nineteen, just turned nineteen. Yeah, so you're still so young. Yeah, um, so it was it, it was tough, and even I remember the first couple of times when I did get a chance. Maybe it was the last ten minutes coming on as a sub or something. I'm just feeling like a, a massive amount of pressure, obviously, because you know the fan base. All of a sudden, I was playing in front of you know sixty thousand instead of six thousand, so. It was massive, um, you know, and it, it, it was tough. Uh, I think at the same time that when I joined it, the team weren't playing too well and, you know, it was hard to kind of come in and, 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 and change that around just being one player. So, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a definite learning curve in my career. Mm. What was it like then? Because you then got sent back um, to Inverness on yeah. loan. How difficult was that? Because I often wonder, does it, I, I, I presume it going on loan could probably make or break a footballer, right? Yeah. How did that feel? Because personally, to me, if I kind of thought about putting myself in that shoes, I'd probably take it as a bit of a rejection. 
yeah, it was it was a bit of both, and I, I certainly thought that I I knew on one side that I probably wasn't ready to play every week for Celtic, so I knew it was the right thing to do, and then at the same time, um, you know, it was it was what I knew and apart what I missed because you know I was so used to that that life back in Inverness and mm. like I said you know living at home and stuff being around my family so you know at the time it was kind of like the easy option to kind of to go back and and to to know where I kind of fitted in at the time you know I think back now I, would, I certainly don't regret it but um you know maybe if I was a wee bit older a wee bit stronger minded then I would have you know kind of dug my feet in and said you know you know I'm, I'm gonna stay and kind of fight a bit more but like I said when you're when you're so young mm. it's hard to to kind of know what's ahead of you. Mm. did it make you question whether you were good enough as in like you were you know you, it's amazing to even reach that stage and to be a professional footballer but did you question whether you were good enough to kind of be one of the superstars at Celtic yeah it was I mean the, the manager I had in Inverness you know who I owe an immense amount to for kind of playing me and stuff he he actually had a hand in kind of getting me the move to Celtic and he was always in my ear saying, you know, you're good enough and go down and you can prove it. And, and you know, I always had, you know, other kind of people close to me saying that they thought, you know, I was good enough. So I did always kind of believe it. I just think I struggled in the, the first few months to kind of really get up to the speed and, and have that, I don't think it's an, a confidence, you know, mm. some people think it's an arrogance, but, you know, a confidence to kind of come in and, and really try and show everyone what I'm about whereas I was a bit kind of well, still a young boy from Inverness and a bit kind of tepid and scared so um you know it definitely took me a, an extra few months to, mm. to kind of fill into my shoe. It's funny you say confidence and then a lot of people say that oh you know the arrogant side of it I personally believe it's almost like you can't do right for doing wrong because if you'd have come yeah. in as confident then you'd have been called arrogant but then you needed that confidence and I think to me I think they're a million miles apart I think you need that confidence what would you say confidence means to to you and where have you found that confidence um you obviously I, mean, I think you as soon as you start I mean I was but I went obviously I went back to Celtic and then went on loan to, to Aberdeen again and that that kind of loan spell was definitely a bit better for me you know I did really well in that loan spell and that was the first time I kind of felt like you know obviously it wasn't the level of Celtic but it was quite close you know Aberdeen were a team with a still a huge fan base and an expectation to win every week so you know that was still having that kind of the pressure aspect of it that the Celtic was um, was the same and and then I was kind of coping with it better and that's when I kind of you know felt a bit more confident in myself and feeling like you know I can kind of step up on the big stage and, and perform so um you know I've, I've kind of preached it's massive I've played with so many players where you know on a, on a training pitch they're they're unbelievable and then when it comes to a Saturday and maybe they make one bad, bad bad pass and their confidence goes and you know just see them completely deteriorate so it's probably something that from the outside looking in people don't you know, have that much, um, you know, I don't know if it's respect, but, you know, they, they don't kind of speak about it as much as they should because, um, you know, it's a huge aspect of, of sport in general. Yeah, I think they probably just don't understand what it's like from the inside because I think we see the exterior. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, well, why aren't they performing? I mean, you know, even at the moment, um, I was looking on social media, I was looking at comments, and it's just really interesting because there's a million loads of praise for you and then the next week there's just pure criticism yeah. how do you deal with that is it something you take note of or do you you know I presume you you're a sports person you know yourself you know when you've not performed or your own criticism of yourself yeah yeah that's it you know I think you know in terms of my whole kind of football career I've tried to be kind of very honest with myself in terms of you know if it's performances or when things aren't going well you need to kind of look at yourself and 
and have an honest assessment if, mm-hmm. if you're doing everything you can on and off the pitch um, to be a good professional as you possibly can be. So obviously the, the comment side of it, you try and log out to the 99% of it um, and, the, and the people you do listen to are the ones kind of closest to you, the, you know, my family, like I said earlier, and obviously my dad's the, the first one to tell me if I've, I've had a bad game, that's for sure. So, um, <laughs> Does he? Yeah, do he's, conversations he's, afterwards? Yeah, he's, he's, he's always been, been tough on me from, from since I was young. He was my coach when I was coming through the youth, so it was just non-stop football. Obviously, if we had a bad game, everybody got it in the changing room afterwards, but then I got it at the dinner table and I related as well. So, yeah, it was it was tough, but again, it's that thing. Obviously, now I, I hugely kind of respect his opinion. You know, it's the one opinion that will always kind of ground me. You know, I know when it's coming from him, it's, it's the truth and it's an honest opinion and an opinion I respect. Do you think that's... You know, it's, it's funny you said he's he's harsh on you and he's hard on you and that's a great thing. But I, I don't know, sometimes does it make you feel, I don't know, a certain way? Because I just think having that that pressure must be quite hard. Yeah, when, when I was younger, it, it did definitely. There was times where, you know, after a, a bad game or something and, and he'd maybe be on, been on me a little bit that, you know, I would just be in my room thinking, oh, this isn't worth it. And, you know, I don't know if I want to do this and... Would it just be easier if, you know, I was just in school and, and not kind of focusing on football that much and stuff, but that would last for an hour and then you'd realise how much you, you love just playing football and you were desperate to, to get back out there the same way as well. My mum was kind of the, the polar opposite of him, so she was the kind of middle ground. She was always putting an arm around my shoulder, so right. um, I would take a telling off from him and, and go run into her. So uh, <laughs> that, that's how it worked in my household. But um, yeah, it was tough. I think now it's, you know, it's got to a part I'm a bit older. I can I can take it now and... And he knows that as well. He he knows where we can have an honest discussion if if I'm I'm playing well or, or not so well. Mm. So how do you cope with the pressure and expectation? We talked a bit about pressure kind of growing up and, and within family and your dad, but how do you cope with pressure and expectation of playing for such a big club that has it's not just a massive club, but it's also one that is steeped in history and culture? Yeah, yeah. It's um you know, there is there has been a huge amount of pressures on us, and you know, we've kind of felt that over the the recent years, and especially when you play in so many kind of cup finals and stuff like that, and you you really feel it then. I think it's obviously in parts it's good. I've heard a lot of people talk about it before in terms of you do need that pressure, you need that kind of sense of it means something, and it's you know it's a wee bit of fear, a wee bit of adrenaline, and before games, you know, because I help, I think that helps get the the kind of very best at your performance. At the same time, I think it is a fine line between that and kind of letting it completely consume you. And, you know, if, it, if you've got too much of that, it can go the opposite way. And, and um, I think that's why I've obviously I've spoke to um, kind of sports psychologists before and in trying to, you know, get that balance where, you know, you you do have that kind of, you know, butterflies in your stomach feeling and, you know, you are nervous, but it's an excited nervous, you know, and it's a nervous nervousness that's going to help you and, and help you perform to, to your max. Yeah, because I think that, sometimes it can the fear can consume people but rather than harnessing it is a good thing is there anything that the really good advice that you've been given or you've been taught by sports psychologists around that it would probably be not to I mean I I kind of work in the mindset of you know the the lead up to games from the the days before just trying to completely shut off away from kind of football and just turn my my mind off it completely so I'm not kind of overthinking it anything like that and then it's not until you know the the day of the game or maybe you know three or four hours leading up that you you really start to focus in and I think that way you know as long as 
you know, it's not constantly consuming your thoughts when you're sitting on the couch at night, maybe a couple of days before, then you know, you're overthinking everything. And by the time it gets to the match, you're, you're, you're mentally drained almost, you know, yeah. thinking of how this is, this is going to play out. So, you know, that, and obviously I've got my kind of certain routines and stuff I'll do on a match day, which I, f- I feel while I do these routines, it kind of eases me into that mindset of like, here we go. Okay. We're about to play a game and, you know, kind of really focusing in. Yeah, I can imagine that. It's almost like a trigger to, yeah. oh, like that routine triggers, oh, okay, this is what we're doing today. And yeah. it reminds you every time. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think that's hugely kind of beneficial for me. And and at the same time, it, you know, it's not so much superstitious, but it gives me that feeling that my body's in the right kind of, you know, I've done everything I need to do and I'm in perfect shape going into the game. Sporting Live prides itself on being ahead of the rest by providing a rivaled analysis, opinion, debate and statistics for the sports you love. Follow Sporting Live for the best previews, stats and live horse racing and football score services. Visit sportinglive.com or download the free app for Apple and Android devices. You touched upon injuries a little bit earlier in our conversation and honestly it crops up nearly every time I speak to an athlete, but especially when I speak to a footballer or a rugby <laughs> player. You had that clash with Dominic Ball and you had multiple facial injuries. You posted yeah. that picture of yourself with, you know, you had a massive black eye and you almost made light of it. It, it was on Instagram and you kind of were like, oh, um, after the game. But actually it was really, really serious and you also had problems with your eyesight. And I think the surgeon said it's the worst he'd seen for his entire career. How yeah. scary was that? Because I know it's I know it's easy to make light of in the sense that, you know, it's football, it can be quite machismo. Um yeah. and but I can imagine it was really scary behind the scenes. Yeah, it was. I think to be fair, <laughs> at the time of posting that photo, I say this all the time, I was in the hospital so drugged up that I don't even remember like, don't posting remember. It or anything like that so I think I was in a very kind of false false sense of security at that point um whereas it was it was you know probably one of the scariest experiences I've had in terms of you know straight away you know you're just kind of concerned about your health you kind of forget football almost at, at that point I was just obviously my eyesight that was the the biggest thing yeah. because for four or five days I couldn't see out of my left eye at all and I was kind of doing tests and, and optical tests and stuff like that. And, you know, the way doctors are, they never want to tell you 100% it's going to go back to normal. So there was always that kind of seed of doubt that, you know, it might not be the same and stuff. And, you know, it wasn't that. It was, it was, it was a scary moment for sure. Um, and obviously definitely scary for the people around me too. Obviously, for me, it was amazing to have them and the amount of support mm-hmm. I had around me. But I'm sure they, were, they weren't really enjoying the experience. Um, after that, obviously, I had the operation. Had a horrible concussion, which again is an injury in sport where like <laughs> you yeah. can't see it. So, and I remember, you know, there's so many people kind of talking about it, and it's nice to obviously see advances was in it now. Obviously, with a with a kind of head knock, um, substitutions coming into football yeah. and stuff now. But it was a uh, an injury that I didn't really understand, to be honest. Obviously, I'd had teammates being concussed before, and they said how bad it was. But you need to kind of go through it, and yeah, it was crazy. It was like just trying to play like cards with my family looking at like a set of cards in front of me not being able to like read the numbers on the cards and we'd watch the tv for more than 10 minutes and had to turn it off like you know it was too much and even like simple questions because after the operation I went to just stay with my family again from back in Inverness and with my mum asking me like if I was okay if I wanted a glass of juice or something and it was taking me like 10 you know 10 20 seconds to process this question mm. like 
crazy. And then obviously my family, I remember my dad, I think called the surgeon, you know, a week later saying like, is this okay? Like, you know, he's just not himself. He doesn't, he doesn't seem himself right now. Is he going to get off the gate? But, you know, it is just that kind of concussion thing. And the scary thing is you don't know, you can't see it obviously first and foremost. So yeah. you don't know if it's healing or not and you don't know what the time frame is. So, you know, that was something crazy that to go through. And obviously I completely understand how, how kind of serious an injury is. Mm. It's really topical at the moment, actually, around what you were saying about concussion substitutes. Um, what was going through your mind at the time then? Because you've got obviously your family, you've got the fact that, hang on a second, I can't process this and I can't concentrate. But then what was going through your mind in kind of like behind the scenes? Were you worried, you know, about the long term consequences? Did you doubt about playing football, about yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was um, it was certainly, I mean, the first kind of two, three weeks, it was, football was kind of put to a side almost because I thought, you know, I just want to be healthy to start with, you know, yeah. hopefully get my eyesight biting. But then it kicks in, right? Because football is a massive part of your identity. Yeah, well, that once was Once you realise so. that you've got your health. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking, right, I'm okay. And then I remember about maybe five or six weeks after now and I was kind of feeling a bit better my eye had opened up and I had my vision back and that was obviously a huge boost so it's kind of properly feeling like I was on the mend and went to just do a, a simple gym session and got like a you know like a really really bad migraine and then even then that's when it started thinking like oh, like hopefully this can't keep affecting me in the long term in terms of football because at that stage I was starting to think like right when can I get back on the pitch and I was asking the doctor if it was you know, if I could wear like a mask, you know, if that would, would help in any way to get me back quicker. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, there was times where it was, uh, you know, a real kind of panic in terms of just hoping and praying that there was going to be no kind of lasting of mm. effects of this. And uh, thankfully, there's not been touch wood, obviously, hopefully, I'm hoping. What was it like when you first um, got back on the pitch after that? Were you cautious? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't jump for a head for about uh, a month after that. I think um, <laughs> anytime the ball was in the air, I just ignored just it. Avoid it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think everybody understood that. I think the time frame of of when I came back actually helped me a lot because you know it happened. I think April time, and obviously there was the cup finals towards the end of the season that was got to miss out on. But I think obviously I knew in my head I was as soon as that I was never going to be fit for them. And then obviously I had the whole kind of pre-season, so there wasn't any mad rush to get back for for games. I had the kind of pre-season and I could take it easy. Obviously, I could still do the fitness running and stuff like that. But in terms of contact sport, I could, you know, kind of really relax and ease myself into it, which helped helped uh, a lot, like I said, because it wasn't like I was rushing back for a cup final or important games or I felt like I was missing out on heap of games. So I got pretty fortunate with, with the timing and then you know, eventually... Um, slowly but surely kind of ease my way back in and I've just started uh, heading, a, heading a football again a couple of months ago so that's me How did that feel? Oh, Are you bothered about the current conversation around the fact that there's been links to football and dementia and heading the ball? Yeah, it's, um, it's something obviously that obviously when I was kind of growing up or even, I mean I'm speaking like, <laughs> like I'm an old guy but <laughs> coming through um, you know, it wasn't spoken about at all. Like there was just zero conversation on it. So, you know, when when it does start coming up and people obviously start making the links, it's almost like, you know, what, why is this taking so long for this to, to be yeah. noticed kind of thing? And it is, I mean, I would say it's kind of worrying for me. I mean, I'm obviously I've had the bad facial knock, but apart from that, I'm, I'm not heading a, a ball too much, but I look at some of the kind of 
defenders I've played with in the past that have just like they just throw their bodies on the line and especially like, heading a ball maybe 10, 20 times a game. And it is kind of quite scary, obviously. You don't want to speak to them about it, but you wonder if they've kind of have the worries in the back of their head that there will be long, long lasting effects from that. You know, I remember speaking to a few people talking about obviously trying to take heading completely out of, out of football at a young age and trying to disencourage it a wee bit. And obviously a great idea and probably the best place to start. But at the same time, it's so hard to coach somebody not to do that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it comes so natural. Yeah. Um, especially when you love football, you end up just you know, throwing your head and everything at it. So, you know, I don't I don't envy the people at the top that are trying to make changes and, and how you go about it. But it is something that definitely needs to be looked at for sure. Mm. Yeah, I think it is so so natural when you play football. You're not, especially if it, you know, all you think about is winning. So yeah. you're not going to kind of go, oh, no, I'm not going to get that ball because the only way I can get it is is via header. I just think it's a very interesting conversation. Um, also, at the moment, there's a little bit of uncertainty around your club. Um, as we're speaking, not that long ago, Neil Lennon resigned as manager. Um, what's it like? Because this is so frequent in football. What is it like as a player? We don't often hear this perspective when you're, you've worked so, so closely with the manager, with someone, and then they're just gone, but you're obviously still at the club. What What's it like? Because there must be a lot of conversations going on. Do you have to kind of just try and put the blinkers on and just play and train and perform? Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably exactly it. I mean, I've been through it. You know, this is only the second time I'll, I've gone through it in my career. I had it at Inverness and, you know, it's similar in terms of the, the first few days, of course, are, are going to be a bit strange and a wee bit up in the air, but you just kind of focus on the thing that's most important, which is the football. And I think everybody is in that same mindset. And obviously as players, we don't have much say in the background, if you will. So so we have to just stay kind of professional to our job and, and stay concentrated and, and keep ourselves taken over because, you know, it's... It's tough, it's horrible when people lose their jobs. Of course, it's a sad day, but at the same time, you're desperate to not let it affect your your professionalism. Yeah. So talking about the Euros, how are you approaching that? Is it something you visualise? Is it something you're breaking down at the moment to be able to get there? Because it's absolutely huge for your country, but also you. Yeah. Right now, it's... It is probably in the in the back of my mind. Obviously, the the thought of it's amazing in terms of getting to kind of represent my country at a, a huge tournament. Hopefully, you know, which hasn't been done in you know, obviously a very long time, as mm. everybody knows. So, um, you know, that kind of side of it's so exciting and it's and it's massive. I just can't wait to be a part of it. How do you deal with those big moments? Um, which you know you've had a few at club level. How do you deal with? I mean, when you'll be walking out on the pitch. Not that I want to get this in your head <laughs> because it's still a while away yet. You know, how do you deal with those big moments? For example, when you're going to be walking out, um, hopefully, um, against England, which is going to be a massive moment. Yeah, it'll, it'll be huge. And I think the, the nice thing to think about is, you know, it was, it'll be something that kind of stays with me for a very long time. I'm hoping that I'll, I'll be lucky enough to, to be part of that, you know, touch with this, you know, I managed to stay injury free and, and I'm selected for the camp. So, you know, looking at that now, it's obviously a huge excitement. You know, that's why I don't like thinking about it too much. Obviously, and I'm sorry. I get myself too excited about it. But, you know, it will be huge. Obviously, we don't know if there'll be fans or not or, or, or whatever, because, you know, it'll be even nicer to have my, my family there watching. But, you know, we'll wait and see. But, yeah, it'll be, it'll be something that's, that's really special. It means, you know, a, a lot to me. I, I find in Scotland that the, the more north you go, the more patriotic people are. And I'm, I seem to be close to the North Pole from where I'm from. So, 
I, you know, obviously it's it's always a huge moment for me, kind of pulling off that Scotland top and representing my country. So if I get to do it at a kind of European finals, it'll be um, more amazing. Mm. Do you feel the pressure of that already, given the reaction when you qualified? <sighs> yes and no, obviously. I think there is the, the feeling that, you know, we're all kind of delighted to, to obviously qualify, but at the same time, we're, we're not really wanting to just go there just to make up the numbers, you know what I mean, for... Yeah. You know, we want to go again and kind of prove ourselves even more and prove that we kind of belong there, you know, and we deserve to be there. So, you know, the, the hard work definitely doesn't stop now. And that's why I think everybody, it's good that we've got a young set of players in the, the Scotland set up right now, kind of coming through, all got the same mindset, you know, very kind of positive mindset and all desperate to achieve, you know, really, really high things in football. And the manager as well, you know, he just he just feeds that even more. So as long as we've kind of got that that mindset going into it, Hopefully we can we can push through that and, and not really feel so much pressure. Just a you know um, a confidence, like I said again, that hopefully we can go there and deserve that mm. that we should be there. All right, we'll stop talking about it now. Done. <laughs> Yours is done. Well, we can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I don't want you thinking about this after night. Oh my gosh, the <laughs> What is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what do you think so far? Is that because you're 26 now? You just had your birthday. What's the most important thing you've learned so far on your journey, do you think, about yourself? That's a good question. Um, Football-wise, probably, I mean, I, when I was younger, I, my captain at the time, Richie Foran, said to me once that you don't get too high when, you know, when you're doing well and don't get too low when things aren't going so well. And I really take it in and it's taken me, I don't know if it's like eight, eight years now to, to realise, like, uh, I see what he was saying with that because, you know, it is a, such a kind of roller coaster sport that you can be so high one week and so low the next. And, you know, it's so draining on you if you, if you go super high and super low. So it's, it's trying to find that kind of balance and keeping yourself on point and, and, and trying to keep to those core values if you have them, you know, in your what you did to get you to, to where you are and just trying to keep to them and, and stick to them. And I've kind of found that that kind of mindset's helped me now. I feel like definitely stronger in terms of when things if things are going good, kind of being able to level myself out and the opposite if things aren't going so well, knowing how to pick myself up and how to get myself back on track. Because yeah, I don't think we often talk about the emotional exhaustion of life yeah. <laughs> and playing sport. We often just talk about the physical exhaustion and kind of the rest days in a physical sense, but not the emotional sense how I wonder if you could try and I don't know whether that made sense to you but could you explain what it's like in the emotional exhaustion because of having to get yourself up for a game and it's not just about the physical side of it yeah that's it's probably equally as hard I mean obviously when you when you get to a certain level you're you're so fit that it all, you know it just kind of comes naturally you know the, the physical side of it things you know you obviously every game is very tough and you give it your all but you know you're in a, a good physical shape to, to handle that and obviously around football there's so much when it's you know nutrition and sports science and all that that the following days you know the, the physical turnover is really quick whereas you know the mental side of it in terms of I mean both ways I mean I've we play our schedule for example last season we played the league cup um, against Rangers won it 1-0 it was a crazy game kind of holding on towards the end and then that was on the Sunday and then I think we had a game on the Wednesday. So it was like this massive high winning the cup and everyone's delighted. And then you realise like 40 hours later that it's like, okay, we need to get back going again, you know, because it's another huge game again at the at the league. So it's, you know, there's, there's, there's not much rest to be fair. Um, and again, on the flip side of that, you know, when you, you get a really bad defeat or, you know, on the other side, you've been knocked out of a cup, something like that, you know, you have to kind of 
hit that reset button on the mindset as, as quick as you possibly can. And I think what, you know, something our coaches at Celtic have always been very good at is, you know, maybe it's the day after the game, we, we look at it, we reassess where we went wrong, stuff like that. And as soon as that's done, you know, it's the reset button back on the training park and I'm trying to get that mindset spot on for, for the next game because, mm. you know, if you're not going into, into the games and you still think about previous, it's, you know, it's not ideal. Mm. So what, um, I know you've, you've given some really great advice and, and thought-provoking things around mindset there. So my last couple of questions, what advice would you give to a younger footballer out there now? Is it kind of similar to what we talked about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, all the kind of, it's, it's always the, the general one that's told that, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the suffer now to, you know, to be great later. And, you know, there is, um, you know, so many things you're going to have to, to miss out on in terms of when you're growing up. But it's, you know, it's the dedication to your craft. And everybody kind of says, you know, kind of clocking in those hours on your on your craft and that it'll repay you, you know, but you have to, to pay it in time first before, before you get anything in return. And that's what it comes down to. I don't think anybody can look at themselves honestly and say they deserve to be somewhere if they know deep down, you know, they haven't put in the, in the work to, to get to, to merit that. So I would definitely say that. And the other thing I would say is something I've always said to, to younger kids when they ask me this question is when I was, you know, kind of really young or 14, 15 trying to break through, I was kind of like tiny. I was like five foot, five foot five maybe. And like built like the side of a five pound note. So, <laughs> you know, especially in Scotland, everybody just said, you know, he's, he's too small. He's not going to be big enough. He's not going to be able to handle the kind of manly game, you know, when it gets up to that. And I didn't really let it, you know, obviously I, I took it on board and obviously had to work on, you know, the gym element of things and trying to get myself a bit stronger, you know, but I didn't let it affect me kind of too much. And then lo and behold, hit the age of 17 and, you know, grew like four inches in a year or something like that. So, you know, it's, you can't let things like that kind of get you down. I've spoken to other footballers as well, and it's obviously maybe not the same, but there's slight kind of different tweaks where, you know, maybe something was off in their game, but, or they, they weren't the best kind of player at that time at their level. But, you know, you, you keep working at it and you keep dedicated to it. And in a year or two years later, you, you know, it ends off paying up and everything changes. And that's probably something I would, I would say. Mm. It's a good, good point in terms of what somebody's opinion might be. Shouldn't necessarily define what path you want to take if you believe in yourself. Like if somebody's saying, oh, you know, he's too small, but that's just their opinion at the time. But I think quite often we can be like, oh my gosh, I'm too small. And then that makes you not actually pursue what you your potential is yeah yeah that's it as soon as I think obviously like you said as soon as you know if it's a negative opinion if you, if you let that kind of hinder the, the dedication you're, you're putting in then obviously that's when it becomes a problem so as long as of course listen to it you know take it in and if anything let it let it spur you on more to, to do the things to kind of reverse that kind of do that then it's obviously the, a great start to, to the mindset and other than everything we've talked about is there any advice you would give people at the moment you know, I almost, I almost think it was a wee bit easier at the, the start of lockdown in terms of, you know, it was everybody, it was a bit different and everyone kind of got it through it together and where it was, you know, everybody was doing the kind of the Zoom quizzes or, you know, the 5K runs and stuff. And here we are a year on and it's, you know, it's hard to kind of maintain that positivity and that everyday activity and it's keeping your physical health and your mental health up. Um, it's tough, but, you know, I would just say routine's a, a kind of massive thing. I found that in the first lockdown get in my routine every day and try not to lie in bed and stuff like that, getting up early and trying to get as most done as in the day I could and keep my mind busy almost um, was very, very beneficial. And then obviously just staying in touch with the people around you close, you know, your, your kind of support group that you have around you that hopefully everybody everybody, everybody has or somebody to, to kind of lean on because 
the good thing about this is everybody's going through the same thing you know that's, yeah. that's one thing I keep saying to my girlfriend when she's complaining about it and she's you know she's desperate to go out and see friends I said everyone's everyone's in the same boat so it's you know it's, it's going to be even better when when it does finally end mm. and, and everybody sees each other again so you know strength and strength in numbers definitely helps yeah, I agree with that because I think it's funny, isn't it? It almost makes us feel better, the fact that we know everybody else is dealing <laughs> with it. But with us, think, yeah. yeah, but I think the reason why is because then it doesn't make us feel like it's a failure on our part while yeah. everybody else is getting on with something and you're not. Yeah. But I think yeah. it does help that we're in it together. Ryan, thank you so much for your time and for talking to us. Best of luck for the rest of the season and best of luck, I suppose. I, I was like, spit it out. Best of luck for Scotland. <laughs> Thank you very much. When you play England, because I'm an England fan. (laughs) Yeah, uh... Um, yeah, it's been brilliant speaking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. If you're just discovering us, there are loads of episodes to catch up on, including Eric Dyer, Adam Lalana, Ben Foster, and loads more. And remember to visit sportinglife.com ahead of the rest with 160 years of sporting knowledge and integrity. And if you're really struggling, you can reach out for help. I know it's tough at the moment, but it just takes a phone call or text message. And, you know, as Ryan was saying, surround yourself by great people. But there are also charities that can help too, such as Mind, the Samaritans and Sporting Mind are always there to help. People do understand and care. And you can also text SHOUT to 85258 if you don't want to talk to anyone on the phone. Take care. Thanks again, Ryan. And we'll speak again soon. Cheers. Cheers.